It is the Lockdown Bengals Podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Today, we're finally going to do an open to the show that isn't incessantly about Joe Burrow. We've got some coaching changes that we need to catch up on around the league. We've talked about it maybe in passing, but we haven't really gotten into it. So we're going to start there. Then we're going to get into the mailbag. We've been on a Thursday mailbag scheduled lately, and then we'll come back tomorrow, do Free Agent Friday, so you can look forward to that one tomorrow. If you've missed any of our shows earlier this week, they've been all Burrow, pretty much. We talked about the wildcard games a little bit yesterday, too. We did a mock draft on Monday. Go check out who Joe brought in to finish up last week's Free Agent Friday. So tons of good stuff out there this week if you need to catch up. But first, let's talk about these coaches. A number of coaching changes around the NFL have been either coaches from the Bengals, coaches leaving the Bengals, or coaches that Bengals fans wanted to hire. Let's start there. Joe Brady signs a deal in the other Queen City. He will be the offensive coordinator for Matt Rule in Carolina. He will not be following Joe Burrow to Cincinnati. And this, of course, has immediately prompted the questions of, will Carolina trade up for Joe Burrow? I don't think that that's a realistic scenario but good for Joe Brady parlaying an excellent year at LSU he's just what early 30s and now offensive coordinator in Carolina and it seemed like he got a good deal on the table from LSU so to move to the NFL take an a coordinator position in Carolina he must have been paid a large sum so I bet it's out of the Bengals price range number one and number two I don't think the pairing of coordinator or coach and quarterback out of college has ever been done. And there's just no precedent there for it to happen. So that goes hand in hand with why didn't the Bengals do it? And would the Panthers trade up for Joe Burrow now, obviously, because they have the coordinator. I don't think there's any link there. It is a little strange, right? Everyone this year, for some reason, is like, let's go get Brady in here. And this is the first time. People have really clamored for the coordinator or the college coach in my memory. I don't remember people saying, let's get Lincoln Riley in here with Baker Mayfield. But we'll talk about that another day. Some other coaching changes to get to. Darren Simmons stays in Cincinnati. His assistant and Cincinnati son, Braden Coombs, however, since he doesn't get a promotion in Cincinnati, goes up to Detroit where he will be coordinating special teams. He's Kerry Coombs' son, of course, who's just returned to Ohio State to manage the defense, coordinate the defense, co-coordinate the defense. So a Cincinnati kid, straight from Colerain, now goes up to Detroit. And Darren Simmons gets the assistant coach title also. So I, I assume he was lured somewhere out there and teams had interest. I was thinking maybe when Joe Judge left the Patriots and Bill Belichick has spoken highly of Darren Simmons in the past that maybe he was courting Simmons. Simmons gets a raise, presumably, but he also gets the increased title of assistant head coach. And there will be some additional responsibilities with that, it sounds like. 
those aren't entirely clear at this point, but Jeff Hobson on Bengals.com did say that Simmons was excited for the new changes to his role and some other ways he could impact the team. So it sounds like there will be some functional changes to Darren Simmons' responsibilities. Other coaching changes for the Bengals to talk about. Durante Jones is not listed on Bengals.com. Jay Morrison has talked about this on the Bengals UK podcast. Will not be back with the Bengals. He was a Bengals secondary and corners coach. Robert Livingston could just step in and coach the entire secondary. He was a safeties coach. That could be a natural replacement. The Bengals also still haven't announced a backfill for the linebacking coach position where Tem Lukavu has gone to the college ranks. So a couple of positions that need to be filled, especially on the defensive side, maybe even a special teams assistant before they head down to the senior bowl, which starts on Monday. I imagine they're leaving on Sunday. So I think they want to get these positions filled. I think definitely you'd want to have a linebacker coach in place, whether that's Mark Duffner or not, because that should be a position they have some eyes on and like a few eyes on when they head down to Mobile. Mobile, Alabama, where the senior bowl takes place. That's kicking off next week. We'll get your updates from there when those practices begin. But one last note on the Bengals coaching staff, Bill Lazor, former quarterback coach and offensive coordinator for the Bengals, has signed on with Matt Nagy and the Bears. Maybe that means Andy Dalton will go follow his former coordinator to Chicago and return some draft capital for the Bengals. Only time will tell on that one. So we've got the mailbag coming up next. You guys sent us a bunch of questions very, very quickly. We'll get to as many of them as we can. But before that, Joe, can you believe it's conference championship week? We just had the national championship in college football. I went to ESPN yesterday to look for what football games I should be watching this weekend. And I was like, oh, there's only there's only three more games. So three more games. That means you only have three more chances to play over on DraftKings. Get your fantasy fix in if you're not doing a playoff league. Even if you are doing a playoff league, you got one last chance here to make some money on football. Yeah, and with DraftKings, you can do one-day leagues. So you set your lineup and feel the sweat, as they say, like never before. Every run, throw, catch, mean more with DraftKings lineup on the line. And simple, just draft your lineup, stay under the cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Find those inefficiencies in the market Maybe find your Janu Smith or Mikkel Hardman, the bargains that are going to go off. And those are the matchups to watch, right? It's fun to see those guys pop up in the playoffs. So go download the DraftKings app now. Use code LOCKEDON for a limited time. New and existing users can get $500 on your next deposit as a deposit bonus. New users, when you use promo code LOCKEDON during sign-up, you'll get a free shot at over 750000 with your first deposit. That's code LOCKDOWN. You get a deposit bonus up to $500 only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. It's mailbag time, and we've got questions, general draft questions, as it will probably be for the next three months and maybe even a little bit after that. We have questions about Zach Taylor and, of course, Joe Burrow because he is the talk of the week. First question, one I really like. This is my question of the week. Remember we did that for a while, Jake? Uh, Andrew at Andrew88G, if we had the typical 12-ish area pick instead of the first overall, who would you want to draft? All right, so if the Bengals are picking 11th, maybe 
it's Herbert right off the bat, right? Maybe they sure. still go quarterback. Maybe it's Tua. Maybe the Dolphins end up picking Burrow or Herbert in that scenario. If it's mm-hmm. not a quarterback, if Isaiah Simmons is there, you're running to the podium. Last year, two linebackers who I don't think are as good as Isaiah Simmons as a defensive player went in the top 10. So I think Isaiah Simmons probably is gone. But if he's not, that is the easy pick for me. Then there's some tackles at the top of the class that you really like. Tristan Wirst, Jedrick Wills, Andrew Thomas from Georgia. Or, I mean, I've talked about receiver a lot. I really wouldn't say no to CeeDee Lamb. I couldn't say no to CeeDee Lamb. Yeah, I'm with you on there. And I feel the same way about Isaiah Simmons. If he was there, you sprint to the podium. I think one of the tackles would be there, whether that's Andrew Thomas, Georgia being, and, you know, we're looking at a big board on here right now, Jordan Reed from the Draft Network. He's got Andrew Thomas, number 12, AJ Espenza, defensive end at Iowa at 11, and then Henry Ruggs at 13, Grant Delpit at 14. I, to be honest with you, all, that all sounds great. It's funny how we haven't looked at that section of the draft. We're getting a lot of questions about 33 because one seems pretty settled now. We've looked at the top four or five guys. We're pretty familiar with those. Uh, but now we're starting to look between 20, 25, and 40. Yeah, and maybe they even go down and, and dig deep and pick a Kenneth Murray. Maybe they trade back five spots. Sure. If they're picking 11 or four spots and tr- try to and, and still get Kenneth Murray, who I think is going to only go up if he tests well because of how sparse this linebacker class seems to be. But I think, again, just like last year, you're going to see linebackers going up on boards as people identify who the athletes are because that's all you're really looking for in the NFL at this point. Athlete with a decent brain on him, decent size. That's what NFL teams are looking for at this point. It's a really good question, though. I I like that one. So who was your answer? Uh, I would say shoot for Andrew Thomas. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, can't go wrong. The Wanderer has our next question. And we just talked about this. Tackle, linebacker, what's the bigger need? Yeah, and he says O-line or linebacker, yeah, right? Yeah, O-line um, or linebacker. Because I, I think left guard is the biggest hole on the current roster. And even that, I could say maybe linebacker if we're looking at guys that are free agents, right? Nick Vigil is gone and you don't have another starter there. But I don't think you have a concrete starter, even though you may have some upside guys in Jordan, maybe Fred Johnson kicks over, or even Billy Price at left guard. So maybe now I'm switching, and I say it's linebacker, because currently you're going out there with Jermaine Pratt, and that's it, and you don't have another guy. So as we sit today, linebacker is the biggest need. I think the Bengals agree with you too, especially if Vigil doesn't come back. I think that the Bengals are probably much higher on their 2020 offensive line than we are. And this is something that scares me a little bit. A lot of people have been in my Twitter mentions lately saying, I'm nervous about Joe Burrow, you know, saying no, I'm nervous about the Bengals trading back. I'm nervous. And I'm sitting here like, no, none of those things really bother me. But what scares me is that the Bengals are going to go in. They're going to say Bobby Hart pass blocked great down the stretch. John Miller is a guy we went out in free agency. We think he did a good job. He's a solid veteran. We just extended Trey Hopkins. We got Michael Jordan coming up at left guard we got Jonah Williams at left tackle, and we're set. And we got we got uh, Fred Johnson to back up the swing tackles. We got, you know, Billy Price to, to back up the interior positions. We don't need to address this in the offseason. We don't need to address it early. So that is something that scares me. But at the same time, that's a pretty compelling argument to, it to, is, support, it? <laughs> to support what you're saying where linebacker is a bigger need just because there's nothing. I was going to say it's a compelling argument for – 
O-line. And I know that it sounds scary, but remember last year we kind of played out the scenario of what would be the worst-case scenario on the offensive line when we thought it could be definitely be better. And then the worst-case scenario played out. I think that's the worst-case scenario, again, is that they say, okay, we're good. and Or not good, but we're good as in set at these positions and with some of the backups too. Fred Johnson did play well those last two weeks. They probably want to develop him similar to how they want to develop Michael Jordan. And maybe they see future starters in those guys. Uh, But at the same time, I do think, and and maybe that precludes them from or eliminates them from, from signing a big lineman. Right. And maybe it's just a swing tackle come along or a guy that can compete to start, maybe even not even a John Miller type signing on the offensive line. And it's a fourth round pick added instead that's probably worst case scenario but i think it's actually pretty realistic that's what i'm saying I, I, that's my fear right now is that they see this as a as a set group and it's fair to say that jordan might progress jonah might be fine at left tackle and what will be a redshirt rookie season bobby hart was a little bit better this year especially down the stretch still not there as a run blocker but was better in pass protection when he wasn't going up against good pass rushers I think that they're trapping themselves there a little bit, though, because of the quality of competition down the stretch when the line was playing better. And I I just, I hope they're honest with the need, right? I hope they're evaluating it fairly. But regardless of that, linebacker still the bigger need. I think we underrated this last year. We knew they needed a linebacker. We talked about mocking them a linebacker a lot, but we talked about the value of linebacker a lot, too. And this is something that we're going to have to get into, I think, in more than just this conversation. Has your perception of the value of the off-ball linebacker changed? Because I think mine has a little bit. Not a ton, but just a little bit. Yeah, we'll save that. Um, Next question is from, hi, my name is Jared. Irish Football 11. What's up, Jared? Shouldn't wide receiver be a bigger need in the draft? Boyd is the only one who can stay healthy. A lot of debate. Uh, recently, uh, and he's a firm believer that giving your franchise quarterback as many weapons as possible, and I am too. Yeah, so I did a tweet thread on this today because one of our other listeners, RW at our underscore Will, has, I think, in the last 24 hours a couple times been like, I, I asked yesterday, would you rather have Kenneth Murray or LaVisca Chenault if they're both there at 33? I didn't know who that guy was. Chenault? Yeah, I have no idea who he is. Fair enough. Uh we won't get into that now. Regardless, overwhelming Kenneth Murray wins the poll. So again today, I'm like, you know what? If T. Higgins is there at 33, which I've said on the podcast before, I'm not passing. Right. And again, I got the response. It would be wiser for them to draft zero wide receivers than draft one in the second round. In a class that's regarded to be historically good. So I did this tweet thread, and this is why I believe the wide receivers need. A.J. Green, going to be 32 in July only guaranteed to be around for one year. Right. If they extend him, this changes the need a little bit. It probably de-escalates it or, or lowers the need. John Ross, who I, I think RW has said is, is going to be you know a key weapon, he's played a, a, a season's worth of snaps in three years. He can't stay healthy. When he is healthy, he's catching... He's caught 49 of his 112 targets, so less than 50%, has 14 drops, which has got to be up near the top, if not the top drop rate in that time. Hasn't accumulated a bunch of yards, hasn't proven to be a reliable target, has been a very boom-bust player. So he's, in my opinion, like a wide receiver four right now. They've got a couple players that are good, though. So let's talk about the strengths of the wide receiver group. Tyler Boyd, excellent slot wide receiver, one of the best in the league. 
slot wide receiver though you can only have one or two of those guys right on tate breakout year 406 or sorry 647 snaps was the 13th highest graded pff second or first year receiver still very young i think he's a wide receiver too i don't think he's a wide receiver one so we're sitting here looking at the best wide receiver class in x years whatever x is some amount of time the bengals have a history of not drafting those strong position groups. Joe, you mentioned before we started talking, 2014, not drafting a wide receiver the last time the class was really strong. This has happened at other position groups as well. And I'm not about that anymore. I want them to draft that strong position. So we have a long-term need, A.J. Green being away. We have a short-term question because of health questions for Green if he's here for a year. Ross, because he's been dinged up for the last three years. And they still need a wide receiver one. So if they get a potential wide receiver one at 33, whoever that is, I'm strongly considering it. Maybe it's not a second round pick, depending on who's there, but I'm still considering it because I think it's a need. Yeah, I think you, I'm in agreement. I think it's a bigger need than some believe, even though I do like their five receivers they have. I think all six receivers could be set with Stanley Morgan as the sixth right now because he's so good on special teams. Erickson being the fifth. I think, they may think it's set <laughs> and if they're all healthy that's actually a good unit but yeah. when you draft you should look one year in advance and right now one year in advance is only Auden Tate and Tyler Boyd and at that point you don't have a number one receiver and I think and I kind of disagree with you on Tate I think he's more of a number three especially if Boyd's your number two because I think because then you don't have any speed between the two of them. So I, I you, you know, looking a year in advance because if you're taking Joe Burrow, you should draft a receiver almost every single year with at least at no later than fifth round. You should be giving them premium weapons consistently because if you come back in 2021 and you don't have Green, you don't have Ross, and you're out there with Boyd, uh, Tate, and you're forced to draft a receiver in the first round, that's how they get in trouble. That's how they've gotten in trouble. That's how they've reached and made bad decisions. So you don't want to do that. Have somebody coming up uh, and, you know, if these guys get hurt again, he plays. If not, you find ways to get him in there. So I think they have that ability to start considering wide receiver at 33. And maybe it's not 33. Maybe it's third round. Maybe it's fourth. But one should be picked with a premium premium pick. And I'm thinking all the way into fourth round because they have the top pick. And there's an article up on PFF right now about why you shouldn't expect the Titans to replicate their performance in terms of defense against the Chiefs and and different offenses, right? But the Ravens and the Chiefs were both incredibly good offenses this year. The biggest difference is the Ravens have Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, and Mark Andrews, and that's it. They got a game out of Hayden Hurst, but you you try to stop the weapons in Kansas City where Byron Pringle is like the fifth wide receiver who would start for a lot of teams with the speed he has. I mean – Good luck. And and that's the difference, right? Tom Brady, no weapons. Had a down year, but nobody to throw the ball to. You don't want to get Joe Burrow into that situation. Chiefs are a great example. They had Tyreek Hill. They believe the number one guy. They extended him. And then they signed Sammy Watkins in the in free agency, right? They already got Travis Kelsey. They felt really good about their receiving core. They spent a second-round pick on Miko Hardman. When they need a draft, uh, they need uh, defensive players. They need linebackers and other things. They didn't care. You have a franchise quarterback. You surround them with weapons and guys that can win one-on-one. So look at the Chiefs. They're a good example here. Yeah, good luck slowing the Chiefs down. We'll see if the Titans can do it. Draft Kings, find your Miko Hardman. Next question 
comes from Sean Mosser. I'm Bruce Mosser, so I don't know what his name is. But if Kenneth Murray falls to the late 20s, Sean or Bruce wants to know, do you think the Bengals would trade up for him and what kind of draft capital would it take? There is potentially a gap there between Kenneth Murray and the next guy. We'll figure that out, that out over the next month. But that would take a third-round pick. If you're going up, we've seen this before in this trade before, late 20s to early 20s or top of the um, second round into the 20s costs a third-rounder. That is the pick that they need to get for Andy Dalton. We've got a bunch more questions to get to, a couple on Zach Taylor and four Joe Burrow questions. We'll get to all those in just a minute. Want to go see your Cincinnati Reds this spring during spring training? Well, Arizona is a great place to go, not only see baseball, but to see everything else. And if you go down there and go down for the Cactus League, they've got 10 stadiums, 15 MLB teams, 75 degree temperatures. All 10 stadiums are in the greater Phoenix area within 50 miles. Yeah, you can go down and see your Reds in Goodyear Park down there. Or maybe, we've talked about it before, you're into the craft beer. They've got Four Peaks, Angel's Trumpet Ale House, Goldwater Brewing Company, all known for great beer. Or maybe you're into hiking. Maybe you want to get out in the desert for the numerous national parks down there. Go up to the Grand Canyon. And if you do the canyon, make sure you bring enough water because it's the way back. Unlike most hikes, that's challenging. It's easy going down, hard coming up. Kind of the opposite of the Bengals. We had a hard time with this bad year, and we're going to come up next year. So go on down to Arizona, take yourself a little spring break, plan your getaway at visitarizona.com slash springtraining. Jumping right back in, the next question is from Russ Heltman at RussHeltman11. From what you saw from Taylor this year, rate your confidence in his play calling ability with Burrow on board, which I think is a very key point here from Russ. Uh, one to 10, 10 being the most confident. I think given the progress late in the year, the progress in the red zone, the willingness to change, the fact that there will be a QB that should make it pretty obvious or, or, or at least unhandcuff you. Like if you're in third and 18, you don't have to throw a screen, Right. right? You you can take a shot in the middle of the field, give a guy a chance to run after the catch, or even take a shot downfield because you have a guy that's accurate, on time, anticipatory, fast process. So it opens the playbook up a little bit for Taylor. So given all of those things, I think I'm around a seven, six and a half. Where are you? I was going to say six, but you kind of convinced me on a six and a half there. So we might be together on this, which is just passable. Uh, on a rating scale here, but the more question is with Burrow, if you get better quarterback play, which is very, I think we should expect, that's a question, right? For another day, should we expect Joe Burrow to be better than Andy Dalton, especially as a rookie and especially for the last year we got from Dalton? I think there's a good chance that happens. And if that happens, all of a sudden the offense will look better, the play calling will look better, and everything will run just a little bit better than it did last year is one of the big reasons why they sucked was because their quarterback play was pretty bad for most of the season and I think they made adjustments in the second half of the year they showed they can do it and Zach Taylor year two looking for a step forward they've got cohesion on the coaching staff they brought everyone back for the most part for better or worse so you expect a little bit of progression and that's part of it too right because if i'm just saying it's going to be exactly like 2019 well then it's like a five right the other part of play calling and it's a big part and a part of coordinating too is the quarterback because he helps build a lot of the the game day 
calls and third down calls. What do you like? What do you like on, on third and long? What do you like on second? When we can take a shot play, all these different situations. What do you like in the red zone? It's, play calling will change because of quarterback changes. It changed when they brought in Ryan Finley. They went to more empty backfield stuff and did a lot of uh, shorter throws with Ryan Finley. So I expect some differences, and it's largely going to be based on Burrow. I think you got to expect a lot of differences. They're going to import a lot of what he did at LSU if they draft They always him. do. That's, These teams always do. That's a topic for tomorrow, I think. We're going to look into this a little bit more, talk about you know the adaptation to a new quarterback. But our next question comes from Nate Schlim, longtime listener, first-time caller. Thanks for calling in. Nate, not sure we would know the answer to this question, but as a first-time coach and Zach dying for his first major gig in the NFL, do you think he brought up organizational missteps such as lack of a practice bubble, the free agent spending habits, the ring of honor that the Bengals are the only team, I think, in the NFL to not have some version of uh, stuff like that? Do you think he brought those up in the interview? Do you think he's talked about those in meetings? I don't have an answer for that, but I do think it pro- it was. And I say this because of I remember reading um, Jay Glazer's report or summary of Zach Taylor right after he was hired, saying how other teams were interested and wanted to get the chance to interview him, knew him as a hot name. Because I, I originally thought of this as, well, if he didn't have any other suitors and the Bengals are just hiring anyone, the guy's just, I'm happy to have a job. I'm not going to ask too many questions. But if there is competition out there, you want to also make sure you're getting the right job because a lot of these guys don't get second chances. Some do, you know, if they're if they're friends and, and nepotism reign supreme in the NFL, Adam Gay somehow gets another job. So maybe I'm wrong. But I think if you are in demand or there's other competition, you want to make sure you're getting the right spot. So those would be, I think, I think any coach would bring up all of those things and want to know where they're at what's their position on it and is this something that they planned on changing or adding or helping out with if you remember the uh jake i think you took a tour when you went to the stadium but their whole um weight room and and presentation and all that down there completely changed this year so i don't know if that was part of it so he, he may have gotten some things we don't know they did major renovations in the players area in the in the locker room area all that stuff they they put up you know, pictures of Bengals greats in the past. So it's a step toward a ring of honor. Maybe that's a compromise they had. They redid the indoor facility. They have a little 20, 30 yard practice field inside. They've got a basketball hoop there. These guys like basketball, but they didn't go the full distance. They haven't hired additional scouts. They haven't established a traditional ring of honor. So still some steps to take to get where we want them to be. So let's transition to the Burrow questions. we got a few of those. First one's from Pete Wensler. What current quarterback in the NFL would you take over Joe Burrow right now? Also, Joe Burrow loves Smash Brothers. Who do you think he uses as his main? Well, you're the one with the switch. So you know That's the true. full roster of Smash Bros. better than I possibly could. But I don't know. I'm, I, I have no idea about the Smash Bros. part. But I can answer the, the quarterback part. Because there's a few, right? Pat Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson. There's got to be more. Drew Brees. But, I mean, long-term, not Drew Brees. I'd probably maybe take Burrow over Drew Brees because I think Brees only has a year or two left. That's part of the equation, I think. I think you'd have to look at all of the elite guys, take out anyone that's over 
30 maybe uh because there's not that there's not that many elite guys over 30 though so uh, it's a very young group right now in the nfl and i think i would say it's got to be the young guys that are really really good like mahomes and wilson and and Watson and Jackson, and I guess Russell Wilson's 31, so I he he's the only guy over 30 that I would take. Uh, I think when you start to get into Dak Prescotts and Matt Ryan's and Carson Wentz and, and Jimmy G. You know, yeah, right. I think you start to lean on Burrow and hope for the upside, even because he's probably his. I think base expectation is he's one of those guys with the chance of being better, right? Yeah, I think that just coming in. Because of how advanced he is mentally, how aware he is, the anticipation, the accuracy, you expect him to come in and be right around, you know, the Dak Prescott, Jimmy G level, somewhere in there. And like you said, he could be better. He was much better in college than anybody PFFs graded for the last five years. And Mm -hmm. I mean, those guys aren't even really on this list right now. So maybe... Not as predictive. Maybe maybe it's got nothing to do with it, right? <laughs> yeah. But our next question comes from Locked On Reds at Locked On Reds, the sister podcast to Locked On Bengals. This is Jeff Carr. He's asking if, given that Joe Brady has been plucked by the Panthers, is there anyone on LSU staff that the Bengals should bring in to help Burrow transition? Hmm. No, it would only have been Brady. I think. I don't know enough of these other guys to really comment. Yeah. Typically, I mean, there's a small percentage that college coaches are better than the NFL, but normally the NFL coaches are better. Uh, so it, it'd be a rare thing when a guy, you know, catches name and his name catches fire, I should say, like Joe Brady. So I don't know of anyone else. No, I did mention on an earlier podcast, though, that I'd like one of the receivers somehow, even if it's, you know, a, a low-run guy that's just a special teamer, but somebody that was with LSU and in, in uh, Burrow to come here and kind of help set the standard of how he works with his receivers. And because I watching that game, I was thinking how much these guys are going to have to mm-hmm. adjust, at, especially off script when Burrow runs. You've got to be able to make a play and get open. And these yeah. guys did such a great job. I thought that Thaddeus Moss was excellent at it. Yeah, maybe Thaddeus Moss is a target. I think he declared. And it'll be really interesting to see where he goes with his last name. Mm-hmm. That's That's got to boost his stock a little bit. What's our next question here? This is from Cody Mead at Meter 14. There's a lot of talk of how Burrow is the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. Do you agree, Jake? I think I do. We looked at this yesterday and kind of went through the list, right? Baker Mayfield was a really good quarterback prospect. There wasn't a whole lot else there between Luck and present day that I would consider to be as refined as Joe Burrow. I love Lamar Jackson as a prospect. You can go back and search yeah. my tweets from that draft and how much I wanted the Bengals to take him, how much I wanted the Ravens to not get a hold of him, and they did. Pat Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, not thought of they as no-doubt yeah. prospects, and that's why they went when they went in the draft. We haven't had a sure thing number one like this this long before the draft since I think Andrew Luck, maybe maybe there's a guy in there that we had no doubt on like that be, because maybe the class wasn't as strong, but this is a pretty strong quarterback class at the top. Yeah, and one note on Andrew Luck, I'm sure people are going to ask this and wonder about this. The Colts didn't announce they were going to draft Andrew Luck until two days before the draft, even though everyone in the world knew it was going to happen. So if you're waiting for the Bengals or want to know when that's going to happen, wait, you're, you're we're 
a few months before we can even think about that. Uh, I would also nominate, and some people that don't know won't know why I'm nominating, RG3 was fantastic coming out of Baylor, and you saw it that rookie year with Washington. I mean, it was him and Andrew Luck, and it wasn't a discussion that RG3 would go number one, but some people liked RG3 more than luck did and uh, then they did luck and yeah that's that class is interesting too because luck's gone rg3's backing up the ravens ryan Tannehill just had a fantastic year and then russell wilson was the other guy w- very very strong quarterback class also got kirk cousins that year nick Foles just won a super bowl so that was a stacked quarterback class just going through the other years here 2013 nobody left from that class playing in the nfl that was the year matt glennon was drafted 2014 jimmy g Derek carr teddy bridgewater really liked bridgewater but not a consensus number one 2015 Jameis and marcus Mariota. Jameis winston we talked about yesterday when this came up i think a little bit but you look at his his sophomore he was a redshirt sophomore when he came out he threw 18 picks so yeah he went number one but i think that i there wasn't consensus on him the way there was on burrow because he took such a step back in his second year at Florida State. 2016, the best quarterback at this point is probably Dak Prescott. He was, what, third, fifth? I don't even remember. Fourth? Might be yeah. a third. He was, yeah, mid-round pick. Not not first overall. Carson Wentz. Jared Goff went at the top of that draft. There's maybe some comparison to Jared Goff, but I, I think that there were enough questions about Goff, particularly around his processing that just wasn't where it is with Burrow and their arms aren't that different. So, you know, there's really nobody. We talked about Mahomes and Watson. We talked about Jackson and Mayfield. So the closest competition is probably Baker Mayfield since Andrew Luck, if you don't count the other quarterbacks in that class. Kyler Kyler was a – but the the size things, people were completely off on. Yeah, there was big questions on Kyler. And um, but and and if it wasn't the Cardinals and Cliff Kingsbury, does Kyler go number one? So I I kind of – back away from that i do think it's mayfield i think Jameis would have some discussion but it was andrew luck and rg3 are easy number one and number two i think rg3 goes over mayfield in us in the same class yeah i think that rg3 was a great prospect great rookie i loved rg3 as a prospect and was pretty sad when his career kind of went the way it is glad he's still kicking around with the ravens though next question last question comes from kyle at bengal's junkie Junkie's a good word to describe Bengals fandom, isn't it, Joe? What is Burrow's floor in the NFL? I love these questions. I love comparison questions. I hope we get them all throughout draft season. Pick a prospect. Look for a comparison. I like doing them. I think I'm good at them. Maybe that's why I like it. But I think the floor, and now this is, if if you're unfamiliar, the floor means at the absolute worst, what does he walk into? What is his career trajectory? And I want want to say and maybe the trajectory is wrong right because this guy was drafted in 05 and i think in that time it still took a few years for these guys to come in especially from these offenses that were just now starting he's maybe the first one that really started this alex smith and uh, i think it's because he's got some athleticism not a great arm but really good strong processor that throws an accurate ball and can make things happen uh, off script a little bit and you can do some rollouts and boots and actions with him i think joe burrow at the very least would give you alex smith Yeah, he had some athleticism to him coming out when he was a little bit younger, too. And he developed eventually. He got out of the, you know, game manager and was a very good quarterback with Andy Reid toward the end of his time in Kansas City. The the Washington team paid a bunch to get him. So 
unfortunate that he had the injury. He's kind of forgotten now, but I think that's a, a fair one. I think that he's just better downfield. Although Alex Smith, again, toward yeah. the Andy Reid years at the end in had Kansas City, was very good downfield for a couple of years. I think that Burrow's accuracy is just so good. What about Kirk Cousins as as a floor? I mean, it's the same kind of discussion. Not good with pressure is the only yeah. difference. Yeah. It's, it's like that to me is a major cutoff point where I think Kirk struggles with pressure and then off script ability. He just doesn't have that movement ability. Yeah, I've watched him in this playoff game. Um, they He just couldn't make anything happen. Yeah. And maybe it's because he's older now, right? We are talking about guys that are 31, 32, but yeah. mm, I don't remember him having that type of athleticism. So we'll get some full scouting reports on these guys as we get further into draft season. But for now, that's going to do it for the Locked On Bengals podcast. We'll be back tomorrow for Free Agent Friday. We're going to take a little bit of a different slant this week, get back to the eliminated playoff teams, look at those free agents. Then we're going to have to start looking at some of the teams that didn't make the playoffs in coming weeks. Free agency opens not that long from now, Joe. We, we better start getting through these so we get there by the time free agency opens. Anyway, until tomorrow, Bengals fans. Have a good one.